Friendship power flop. Friendship power flop. Let's go shonen flop. Let's go shonen flop. Welcome to this episode of Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga series and shonen jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. And this week, we're talking about double arts, and we're joined by our guest today, Hassan. Hassan, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you very much for having me. I am one third of the Nerd Alternative podcast. We are a British nerd podcast talking about representation and all things nerddom, talking about the things we love, we hate, and find super weird about the things that we love. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah, great podcast. Oh man, it's it's absolutely one of my favorite British podcasts. Wow, thank you very much. Let's uh, shift gears uh, to the manga details so we can talk about another piece of art. That was all right. I'll give myself a C minus on that one. Okay, David. <laughs> okay, Jordan. All right. So this series was done by Naoshi Kome, and he actually created a one shot before he did double arts that kind of inspired the series. We've seen it before in some other things like Hungry Joker, Zipman. Oh man, Golem Hearts had had a, like a weird one. Apparently, our Blood Oaths was like totally different. We didn't even read that or something. People said the our Blood Oath one shot was really good, and then the manga wasn't. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how the official translator was like, "Oh, I never read that." <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty like damning. He straight up was like, "This is news to me." There was a one shot for this series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we found out on the podcast. <laughs> that is amazing. That's amazing. So it's like, damn, these guys do their research. And so this author actually has a really happy ending where after this, he created a successful series called Nisuki. Oh, I know the one you're talking about. Let me restart and then you're welcome to step in with what you know about the series. I just know it exists. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> So the author actually had a successful series after this called Nisekoi, which ran for five years in Shonen Jump and had an anime adaption. So this is actually an offer that has a happy ending, which is quite the rarity for a lot of series that we cover for the show. Hey, David, you know that word's adaptation, right? Shut up, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that really kind of like stood out to me about this is I felt like it was not ready. So when you guys told me it was by the guy who made Nisekoi, I was like, huh, maybe he just worked out all the kinks here. It makes sense. I'm not familiar with Nisekoi at all, but I, I looked it up and it is also a manga about two people having to basically come together and work together through like some kind of situation they wouldn't rather want to go through if there's a, there's probably a way better way of phrasing that. But <laughs> that sounded so ominous. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas this one, we'll get into it. This is a story all about how... My life got flipped, turned upside down. Turned upside down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're forced to hold hands forever. But Nisekoi is about two uh, high school kids who hate each other but have to pretend they're getting married or something. I'm not sure. That's like a really common thing. Also, I really thought when you said this is a story of a girl, I thought you were going, this is the story of a girl who cried a river and drowned the whole world. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about making a parody of Mora King with the Mystery Science Theater 3000 song. So maybe every episode now for Patreon, we'll make a parody song. <laughs> My buddy is ready. I really do want to hear David try and make a parody song. Listeners, if we get a thousand dollars a month on Patreon, I will start making parody songs, weird Al style parody songs for every manga we cover. And if you give us two thousand, then I will do it too. So they'll be even worse. <laughs> <laughs> we can make a parody album. Exactly. Let's get Weird Al on the podcast. Talk about it with him. Oh, ten thousand dollars a month on Patreon. We'll have Weird Al on the show. <laughs> it's like how if we got ten thousand listeners for our, our Blood Oath, Steven said he would tell us what the One Piece is. For context, Steven was our guest in our Blood Oath. He's also the official translator of One Piece, and he has like a lot of behind the scenes information. So he was like, "Yeah, if you guys get ten thousand listeners on that episode, I'll tell you guys what the One Piece is." I think we said that as a joke. <laughs> No, he agreed. All I'm saying is he's not here to defend himself, so anything goes. <laughs> That's true. All I'm going to say is I really thought he was going to say cut that out, and then he just didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! This is like unironically a fun episode, man. But just to circle back to it, this series ran from March 24th, 2008 to September 8th, 2008. So not a very long run. It was three volumes over 24 chapters, which is about average. So most series we cover in Shonen Flop is about two or three volumes. Felt extremely cut off, like more so than even usual, I would say. Oh, yeah. I've gone back and I've um, read some of the flops that you guys have like covered. And this is insanely abrupt. <laughs> I know! Like, I've never seen anything <laughs> cut off like this. Because, like, usually, like, you know, they get a heads up, right? They'll be yeah. told they're going to be cancelled. This feels like he wrote it. Then it was like, this is the last one? This is... Oh, oh. <laughs> 
you're like, hey, here's uh, here's chapter uh, 25, and they're like, oh, we don't need it. And you're like, what? And you're like, yeah, you got canceled in chapter 24. And you're like, oh, you, you didn't get that note we stuck on your door? Oh, God. We'll talk about it more later, but it's really funny how they did that. <laughs> yeah, which I think is a really great transition into going into about the manga. Man, that was a transition so organic they could sell it at Whole Foods. You know, David, if you say that it's a transition, it kind of makes it not super smooth. I'm just saying. Oh, I'm not trying to be, buddy. This is why I didn't have a date to prom. Wait, hold on, hold on, Jordan. Sometimes it's so nice, you gotta say it twice, man. That's what I'm saying. Exactly, exactly. Okay, 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 all right. This podcast is sponsored by Double Mint Gum. (laughs) (laughs) Jordan, though, will you please take it away with your plot summary of Double Arts? And I want to stress this, don't read it twice because it's called Double Arts, because that's really not as funny as you would have probably thought it was going to (laughs) be. Of the two of us, I don't think I was the one who thought that would be funny, David. But anyway, a disease called Troy has spread across the land with a death toll reaching up to the billions. There is no cure, but there is a treatment. By taking the disease within their own bodies, a religious order of Troy-resistant girls named the Sisters are able to keep people alive at the cost of their own lifespans. One sister, Elraine, is about to die from Troy when she is touched by a young boy named Kiri, and her health immediately returns until he takes his hand away, in which she starts to immediately die again. Elraine and Kiri must now make their way to the church in order for Kiri's powers to be studied for a potential cure, with the caveat that if Kiri ever takes his hand away from El, she will start to die. They immediately come under attack by the Gazelles, a vaguely evil band of mercenaries that we never learn much about, and are rescued by Sui, Kiri's powerful ex-girlfriend who fights with a hula hoop and acts like Goku. Suddenly, Kiri remembers that he's a great artist and a pillar of his community with the unbelievably convenient power of multiplying the strength of those touching him called Flare. Don't worry, it's not super relevant. They're attacked by some more gazelles and recruit a man named Fallen Denzel Washington to guard them, (laughs) but instead he teaches them to fight by dancing, a technique he calls the double arts title drop. Then the author realized that he had no time left, so a random campy gazelle villain attacks and they beat him up and that's it. Good job. Perfect. Thank you. Would not change a word. Can I say one thing? Yes, but legally you only have 15 words left due to your appearance fee. (laughs) If you think that that was cut down and content was removed from that summary, no, that's it entirely. That's perfect summation. Here's the thing. Other stuff happens, but if you're talking about the overall plot and what you need to know, that's everything. There is a subplot. Like, we didn't mention how um there's this thing where, like, there's a military group of the sisters called the Falzin or something that are coming to help them, but they get wiped out by the gazelles. But none of that shit matters. In fact, there's a character in there named Andy that in the last chapter, the artist just drew a picture of her and wrote under there, this is Andy. I really <laughs> meant to include her in the manga but i never got to that point i guess now's like a good time to mention like the way i felt like about this series was it felt like a dungeons and dragons campaign where the dm came up with the material like on the spot for every session yeah and he was still like a pretty good dm but there was very little plot hooks he put in or planning like he really sowed a lot of very generic seeds that he knew he could reap later but since there was no later it just looked like he just scattered a bunch of seeds and then just walked away from the field forever Mm, there's a real strong feeling of like you know someone explaining something to you being like what if and then this and then and then what if this and like never like actually allowing any of those single things to breathe yep i was 100 percent expecting there to be like an anti-gazelle organization called (laughs) (laughs) is that stupid this 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 goddamn manga gazelles are really dumb name for that organ it would have made it worth having naming the bad guys gazelle Mm. I think you're kind of touching on the issue, which is, I feel like the author was like, oh man, I have all these great ideas. I'm just going to explain them gradually as we go through. But he did that too many times. Yeah. And he never took the time to explain it because he kept holding on to it. And then as a result, we have this situation where we don't understand what the fuck is happening. And so nobody cares. And then the manga ends before he gets to explain anything. That's a really great point. And I think we'll definitely have a lot to dive into the uh, why it failed and where it could have gone and I totally blame myself for opening that Pandora's box of that kind of discussion. (laughs) How dare you, David? How dare you? I'm ruining our own podcast. You're ruining the podcast. Fuck. I am 
chomping at the bit. I'm like, let me tear this to pieces. Let me tear this to pieces, goddammit. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Anyway. <laughs> All right, I'm going to start Elrain. She is a traveling little sister. She's got fatal illness called Troy. She is dying unless she holds Curie's hand. She was going to die by 20 anyway, but now stuck in the middle with you playing in the background. We're not going to get the song rights for that. Imagine listener. Stuck in the middle with you. Damn it, Jordan. We're going to get fucking, we're going to get a YouTube <laughs> strike for that. <laughs> Dude, this is too accurate, man. We can't have this. <laughs> I know, right? We can't afford that. I can't fight Google. <laughs> no one can. <laughs> but you know who might be able to fight Google is our Mary Sue Curie. So, Jordan, why don't you tell us about the man with the golden touch and the golden hair? Oh, boy. So when Curie first shows up, I like him because he's like this goofy, dumb guy who's just kind of a nice guy. And he sees El Rain uh, suffering because El Rain is having a seizure because we didn't mention it. But what Troy does is you have a seizure. And then instead of dying from the seizure, the seizure turns you invisible and you disappear. And that's how you die, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's like RPG logic, you know, like you kill a mob and then they just dissolve into like nothingness. It's like, oh man, this is cool. There's a disease and like, that's a realistic way to die. I'm like, nope, here's some inconsistent magic shit because magic doesn't exist besides this blaze power. And Gazelle Boy has some abilities, but we'll get into it, I guess. They later try and give bad guys names and it's like, too late, man. You drew them so generic <laughs> that I can't, I can't associate this as anything other than a generic grunt. There's one boy who didn't even have a mouth. They didn't draw his mouth! He just had a mustache! <laughs> he just had a mustache and no mouth! All the bad guys meet and they're all black silhouettes. And it's like two chapters before it ends. And they're like, dude, come on. You know you're never going to show these characters. Just fucking draw them. Yeah. I have to get keep talking about Kiri. One minor thing. You may have noticed I called it Flair. David called it Blaze. Well, that's because for whatever reason, the translation we're reading is super inconsistent about everything. So that's probably going to happen a few more times. The version I read said Flair. And then Kiri's name, depending on the chapter, would be either Kiri or Keely. That was a whole thing. But. But anyway, so the thing about Kiri is that he's the Messiah. He is immune to Troy. So when he touches Elraine, who is seizing up, and again, instead of dying from a seizure, she will die from uh, having her Photoshop opacity reduced to zero. <laughs> he seizes her. He seizes her. But yeah, so he, he holds onto her hand and all of a sudden she's okay. And they don't explain that. In the first chapter, it's just kind of like, oh, Kiri's just a normal guy and stuff. And then in chapter five, Kiri's just like, oh, by the way, I have this superpower that happens when I hold people's hands where our strength gets doubled if I hold two people's hands and tripled if I hold three people's hands. Don't worry about the next part, though, because I'm never going to take advantage of it and I'm only ever going to hold El Rain's hand. But it's just like, if you a situation where you have to hold onto somebody's hand don't you think you would bring up the fact that you have a superpower that activates when you hold someone's hand it was like why didn't you bring that up earlier it's it, it's just so bizarre I don't want to speak out of class, but like, guys, he should have just got like the entire village and they should have all just walked out together like super, super powerful. They should like Voltron that shit. That was my first thought. Oh, wow. This is going to be like a wonderful 101 thing. That would have been really cool. Yeah. Where you just have like a ton of people from all the village just gathering together and like. Eventually there's 50,000 of them. <laughs> just. Yeah, well, it didn't even have to go that big. Like, what if, like, they're recruiting these weird anime stock characters? What if they just kind of all had to work together and hold on to each other's hands? That would have been cool. That would have been a good way to build an ensemble cast, but it didn't happen. Yeah, it's just mind-blowing how poorly they handled the whole Blaze power thing. <laughs> it was so weird. So what happens in the first chapter is that Elraine and Kiri successfully beat up this supposedly tough mercenary guy. In the mini-podcast that we recorded, we talked talked about how it makes no fucking sense that they're just able to defeat that guy when it's just these two kids, one of whom is recovering from having had a seizure. So I feel like the author completely overcorrected for that issue. You didn't have to say, oh, if I work with three people, it's three times the power and four people, it's four times the power. If you just said two, that would have been like enough. There's no consistency. Like there's none whatsoever in this. But guys, I feel like we're getting a little bit off topic because we're still supposed to be just talking about the characters. I have feelings, goddammit. <laughs> it's hard not to, man! I know, but there will be time. There will be time for that. I do want to say one last thing about Keeley, which is that he has Cloud's exact hairstyle, like Cloud from Final Fantasy VII. 
maybe that's why they cancelled it. There was a uh, copyright issues. Yeah, well, Square Enix, you know. And, oh, and then next, actually, I want to go over Marfa real quick, where she's just literally a voice <laughs> on the phone, and she's just kind of like a shit bag, and she's like, "Yeah, you guys got to hold hands. Sucks to be you guys. All right, have fun." <laughs> If you ever saw Muppets Babies, she's like the nanny character, I feel, where like you don't see her face. She's my favorite character in this entire run. She's my favorite character. <laughs> she's effectively like Elraine's mom, almost. Mm, mm. But it's it's a weird dynamic. There's a real feeling of suck it, nerd. <laughs> exactly. She's a shitty mom who's like, yeah, my daughter's going to die, but that's what she signed up for. It's a living. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's it entirely. <laughs> and then why don't we move on next to the childhood friend, Suey. Suey? I'm singing more Chop Suey. I'm the system of a down fan here, but go ahead. <laughs> she is the childhood friend. She's very pretty. She fights with an iron ring. And an interesting twist is that. So usually the childhood friend, they're like, oh, that's the rival for the love interest. But here he's like, been there, done that, didn't work out. We're just platonic friends, which actually was kind of a nice touch. Done in a very bad way. They didn't get to that organically. It's very confusing, actually, because you'd think, like, based on the story, they include what happened, like, as a little side chapter, where basically what happens is she would go up to Kiri and be like, hey, want to go out? And then the next day she'd show up and be like, nah, I don't want to go out with you, actually. And then she'd do this, like, she did this, like, three times. It wasn't very nice. But it's weird because, like, there are moments where I get the sense that, like, Sui is supposed to be jealous of Elraine, which would always come out of nowhere because it's like are they romantic what is this dynamic i was very confused by it it's almost like there's no consistency in this manga whatsoever totally also uh you say she fights with an iron ring she fights with an iron hula hoop let's be real that's why it's cool Mm-hmm. it's a giant ass hula hoop and she swings it around it's pretty cool she has some cool fight poses and the manga probably would have been better if she was the main character that it focused on but it <laughs> mm-hmm would you say she's the Sora? It's not even that I think she's a particularly better character. I just think she could have been more interesting, you know? Are you saying out of all of these amazing characters, she was the most amazing? That's the thing. That's why I'm not like, uh, she's not like the best written one here. <laughs> In a field of twos, the three is a king. Exactly. <laughs> you can still pass with a D plus. Yeah. By the way, we said that Sui is very pretty because literally everyone keeps saying she's very pretty. Everyone is a Mary Sue. In Everyone's a Mary Sue, especially Kiri. Kiri's the biggest fucking Mary Sue. Yeah, he's more of a Mary Sue than the person whose name is almost the word Sue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then as we talked about a little bit, why don't we talk about Mr. Crow himself? Hassan, would you like to go into the only real bad guy that retains throughout the series? Luchi Zezu. Okay, so Lichi Zezu is ostensibly the leader of Gazelle. They don't really tell us he's the leader of Gazelle. They just kind of, everyone's like, it's Lichi. And we're meant to be like, okay, <laughs> it's... Nothing is really kind of well explained, but he comes in, he fights the main characters, kicks their asses, and then lets them go for reasons? I fucking hate that. I put that in my notes. By the way, one thing to note is Lucci actually isn't like a particularly notable leader. He's literally the only member of Gazelle that has brand recognition. <laughs> Yes. We don't know anyone else in the Gazelle org except for Lucci. So that's why they focus on him, because he's literally the only person whose name they know of that's in Gazelle. He has the power of SEO. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's also one of those things when you think about it, though, if they're supposed to be a bunch of secretive mercenaries, wouldn't that make him the worst member? Yes, it would. It's like James Bond. Like, James Bond is a terrible spy. Fucking Skyfall. When they <laughs> said that James Bond's real name is, is James Bond. <laughs> right? And the fact that everyone knows him. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's James. <laughs> you know James. James! There was a fan theory going around that, like, uh, oh, James Bond is a code name. And what I think the author, what the writers didn't realize is that people thought that because that was way more intelligent than the alternative, which is that he's just using his real fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple times, loudly, in the presence of the people he's trying to surveil. Going back to Crowboy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He has, like, some ability insofar as he's the only person who's dangerous in this entire run. Like, like, all the other bad guys are, mm, and this is one of the things that's like my biggest bugbear for like the whole manga is the bad guys keep getting beaten by kid. And then they have moments where they talk to each other and like, you got beaten by kid. That's weird, right? <laughs> 
Hmm. <laughs> that's just that's the conversation. But um, he he comes in, he kicks their asses, and I'm like, if you're part of this like super scary gazelle organization, that's the only thing that makes sense. But then he lets them go, and I'm like, oh, he's not a character. He's a plot device. He's a MacGuffin. They all are. We learn nothing about the gazelles, like fucking nothing. And that's supposed to be like mysterious, but it really just means that like there's nothing. Exactly. You don't know anything about them. I don't even know why I should be afraid of them. I don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And to the point where the last chapter, the final gazelle who shows up is just some random motherfucker. Absence of evidence doesn't mean evidence of absence, right? That's what I really feel like is going on this entire show. But like the other way around, there's just just because there is nothing doesn't mean that there is something to fill that void. How <laughs> you call it a show too? The Alex Patak school of discussing manga. Yeah. <laughs> we had Alex Patak, a great episode, Tokyo Shinobi Squad. He literally called it a show the entire time. And he went on his his own podcast and his co-host was like, why the fuck did you keep calling a manga a show the entire episode? And I told Jordan that too. I was like, why did he keep saying that? I made that mistake, but now I'm going to own it. Dude, you 100% should have just played it off and been like, oh, that's what we call manga across the pond. You know, you just go and you go to shinyjob.com and you look at your show. Listeners might not know this, but David's actually British. Do you know what the greatest kind of like ridiculousness is? I'm actually drinking tea. Nice. Fucking legend. (laughs) You want mate? You want mate? That's a Patreon goal. If you become a $50 a month subscriber, we'll send you a signed photo of the <laughs> son drinking tea while reading manga. Yeah. <laughs> Just like wink, different poses. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this guy from a different podcast. Here you go. <laughs> Guest of the month calendar. Oh, we're going to do a Shonen Flop calendar. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm in. I'm in. We got to get to Fallen Denzel. Fallen Denzel Washington. Let's fucking do this. (laughs) Jordan, you've really fallen for him, so tell us about him. Fallen Denzel. His name is not Denzel Washington, but I mean, come on. It's Denzel Washington. I'm going to call him Denzel Washington for this whole episode, just so you guys know. For the show? Yeah, for the show. Well, he's Denzel Washington in the show. But anyway, so he's like this tough guy that uh, Martha tells the two kids to go find as a bodyguard. But for whatever reason, he made a promise to somebody years ago that he would never fight to help people. Like, he basically promised someone I'm only going to be selfish from now on. There might have been something deep there, but it never (laughs) shows up. So as a result, he will not fight unless somebody attacks them, attacks him specifically, and he winds up instead teaching the main characters how to fight by dancing, because apparently he is a character from like a 90s show. They got to save the community center, so that's the only way they're going to do it, is dance. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so funny. <laughs> like, he also really loves kids stuff, like kids meals, like... He's the kind of guy who'll walk into a McDonald's and literally get the kid's meal with the toy, and he will look for the rare toys. Yep. And he hates carrots. He hates carrots because he's a kid who doesn't like vegetables, you know? Feels weird, man. It is a little weird. <laughs> but yeah, he trains uh, Kiri and Elraine how to dance, and the author clearly doesn't know anything about dancing. <laughs> Yeah, easily get dancing. Oh, man. <laughs> Do you guys have anything more character related or should we go to the Whitefield where I know you guys have been chomping at the bit? Can we talk about Kiri's parents real quick? We absolutely have to. They're apparently both, I get the sense from context, around 30 or 40. But his mom looks like a 12-year-old, actively drawn like a child, and commented on that she looks like a child. His dad is like a seven-foot-tall lumberjack dude. So I got the sense that the author writing this was young. And I was correct. The author was 22 when he wrote this. And the reason is because a lot of the dialogue feels like weird kind of fan fiction-y dialogue that, like, you wouldn't include if you were a little bit older. For instance, how the 12-year-old mom basically keeps trying to get Kiri and Elraine to fuck, more or less. Just very creepy. It's like three chapters of peek on her, peek on her, or like, go for it, son. It's like, hey, you're a boy, why aren't you like sexually harassing her? I actually noticed the series had a lot less fan service than I was expecting, but we can get into that in the positives. Yeah. Now that we've really gone into the characters, let's go into a section I think we've all been chomping at the bit, why it failed. Hassan, what would you say is something that really stood out to you is something the series did not do particularly well? Where do I start? The man's got a list. (laughs) I made like three or four pages of notes. Nice! 
I don't want to be like a jerk about it. When we're like breaking stuff down, I kind of want to be as objective as possible. But the core issue that this manga has is there's no dedication to any single idea. And it's at the detriment to every idea that comes after it. Absolutely. The manga will, every chapter, establish two or three new kind of core kind of principles. Early on, it makes sense that you want to kind of start to build a world and you want to start to build like some mythos or like world building, right? But here, it's so throwaway and it's so kind of punctuated by insanity that like it breaks you away from ever being able to really truly enjoy anything that's happening at the time it pisses me off man like it really pisses me off <laughs> the one thing in particular like the one thing that's like my biggest bugbear like my biggest gripe like throughout the whole show is they will like make note of something being weird look at the camera look away and then nothing comes of it they did that a couple times. I don't remember exactly what it is, but yeah, somebody's like, hmm, why did that happen? And I was like, I agree, author. Why did that happen? You know why it happened. You made the story. For real, right? I agree, author. That was weird and not great that you just did that. <laughs> that wasn't a good decision. <laughs> it's up there in the Hall of Fame of really cheesy title drops with Suicide Squad. Oh my god. <laughs> Two people dancing. Dancing's an art. What's this? Some sort of double art? <laughs> it more or less is exactly that. <laughs> you could see, like, you know, when he was writing it, he put on some sunglasses and then took off the sunglasses and then finished in, like, the panel. <laughs> I would love to see, like, someone, like, actually saying the line in, like, an anime adaptation because that would be hilarious. But, like, <sighs> Oh my god. And then, just, this series, to tie into it, they explain the title of the series in, like, chapter 19 of, like, a 24-chapter series, and you literally could have compressed the first, the entire series into probably six chapters. Mm. There is so little that happens. There's no overarching plot. Like, they hint at it, but they really don't even start kicking into overdrive. Like, oh, based on the plots, I'm really like, oh, this must be some sort of, you know, journey, road trip story, kind of like Guardian of the Witch. No, they stay in the same town for, like, 15 chapters, and they're forced out of town. It wasn't like, let's go find a cure they're like let's fuck around for you know six months you could condense this entire manga into maximum five chapters i agree all this setup this should have been done by like chapter two or three we should be learning about the dance fighting stuff super early on this is way too long to wait for the manga to actually start you know the best comparison I can give is this is bad D. Greyman. But D. Greyman's already bad. <laughs> It's worse. It's so much worse, right? With the Grey Man, they had like his central conceit. They had like Alan, his powers, the world, the monsters, and that kind of stuff, right? This, they don't take the time to establish the characters, why the world is like it is, or any of their powers. And then you have the Monster of the Week section, like the Grey Man. But now it's Sister of the Week with, with this show. But it's just like they'll explore a story with a different sister. And I'm like, that stuff is interesting, but I'm not interested enough in the world because you haven't put any time to like flesh out the world, right? They're interesting concepts, but there's no payoff to anything. There's no conclusion to like anything at all i'm not saying there had to be a huge conclusion i understand this is a flop that got canceled after <laughs> 20 chapters but you know i would like a continuation of some story like something to follow there's so much stuff here and it really does feel like the author just threw stuff in there and then spent like the rest of the manga trying to scramble to explain why that's there and in the process created more plot holes and then felt well shit now i have to explain this but meanwhile i'll ignore those plot holes because that's too much but those are the plot holes that I, the reader, pick up on. Jordan and I literally figured out like the entire plot of the series from reading the first chapter. That's true. <laughs> which probably isn't a good sign. Like I told Jordan, I was like, oh, it would be really cool if they wanted to dance. And then I was like chapter 19, like, oh, we're going to fight like we're dancing. I was like, Jordan, this is great. Why wasn't this 15 chapters ago? Mm hmm. Let me just go over what we went through in that uh, mini flop episode. You said they're going to start dancing. And I said, yeah, but the author probably won't really be able to show it off that well. I was right. Yeah. I also said, I mean, no matter what happens, it's going to end really abrupt with like no reason. And it did. The only difference is I thought it would wrap it up like Guardian of the Witch did. It didn't even bother wrapping it up. They just didn't care. You could tell the author just gave up at the last chapter. He just probably lit a cigarette. <laughs> Wrote the end and just walked out of the Shueisha office. Yeah. He wrote it twice. <laughs> I feel like when he finished this last chapter, he was just sad. What if he was like really mad and he's like, hey, he's like, I almost said director because, you know, this is a show. He's like, hey, Mr. <laughs> Editor, how about this for a double R? And he just flips him off with both hands. <laughs> Do you know, I'm going to start doing that now. <laughs> <laughs> double deuce. That's for all my Homestar Runner fans. We're of the same generation, but I just, I missed that, man. 
Oh, how did you miss Homestar? I'm so sorry for you. Well, don't worry. Homestar is still just as good as it was when we were kids, I'm sure. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it hasn't aged poorly at all. Speaking. No, I know I can't feel a good transition. I just want to talk about how the fuck did a billion people die from this disease? And there seems to be no large scale economic repercussions of that. Oh. Look at the impact COVID has had. And that's been a year. Imagine everyone is experiencing a more dangerous form of COVID for a hundred years. It's Ebola for a for, for hundred years. It's magic Ebola that makes you disappear instead of suffering for a very long time. I mean, they never really go into it, what it actually does besides making you disappear. Such a dumb decision. That's subtle. That's like the humanity disappeared when they died. You know, they just leave the court oh, behind. Oh, they disappeared. Yeah. Oh. It's like the rapture. <laughs> How did they never go into like a ghost town where it's like everyone died and it's just empty and you see like their clothes on the ground? That would have been amazing. That sounds like the whole the whole reason why you would do that that disappearing thing is so you could do that. And yet they don't. Could you imagine like like if they had like more chapters and they turned up to like a ruined like a ruined city, like from the hundred years ago, like where there's like a vast difference in technology or something. Maybe that's also why everything is just kind of all over the place. Like there is no kind of consistency. What year is this? What year is this? They have genes and phones. Yeah. And they're using crossbows. What? It's very strange because, yeah, some of it seems like medieval, but then their fashions are all like early 2000s, you know? There's strong Jinko energy in this room. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like the same uh, stylistic area as Biichi. I feel like those two manga could have been in the same magazine. They really boned it. <laughs> it's almost like shitty manga have similar themes. Well, shitty manga from a specific time period have similar themes. That is 100% true. Also, I want to point out that like um, every fight starts the same way, which is they're just walking around and then they run into a guy on a cobblestone street in the middle of the city with no warning. It's just like, oh, there's a gazelle. Now we're fighting. I still remember the dude who like asks him for directions and when they're given directions, he's like, oh, I'm mystically evil and he tries to stab <laughs> <Yeah>. him. <laughs> Apparently Kiri's a fucking idiot. Towards the end of the manga, El Rain says, Kiri, you didn't even know about the Troy until I showed up. What the fuck? <laughs> How would you not know? There's a billion people have died from this disease. I mean, I will say David also pointed it out in the mini flop and he's 100% right. This is supposed to be an AIDS metaphor. Like 100%. Like you transmit uh, Troy through contact with another human being. There's a moment where it turns out that the townsfolk have a, have misunderstandings about how Troy is spread. Yep. Which is also really funny because it's, they thought, oh, if you're just near someone with Troy, you'll get it. It's like, no, you just have to touch their exposed skin. Oh, that's it? Oh, well, that's super easy. There's no understanding of like any mature level of relationships or sexuality or any of that kind of stuff so this makes more sense for it being like an AIDS analogy with Sui early on when they're trying to like explain her past relationship with Kiri is like <laughs> you don't know anything about anyone or like relationships like it was so weird so here's the other thing by the way why did she just not wear gloves at all times besides the hand that she has to hold with him like they talk about that and then Kiri's mom puts on a glove to touch her and I'm like if you fell in your hand brush against someone that gives them troy yes why are you playing any sort of game about physical contact your ass should be in a beekeeper suit at all times <laughs> suey's hair almost touches her at one point and she says that hair and skin contact can cause troy transmission which are dead cells yeah are you kidding me that's insane it should also like be noted that dead skin is in dust so <laughs> You'd have to like quarantine people with Troy entirely away. Yeah, this series, I think, if you think about it too much, makes less sense than Mora King, mm -hmm. which was about talking bug people. <laughs> <laughs> and this series definitely gets the Cars Award for just don't think about the series too much or the entire logic behind it falls apart. <laughs> the offer fucked up so badly when he said a billion people died from this disease. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, but it's also like in Cars and Mora King, there's other stuff to keep me from thinking about this stuff, but there's really nothing here to keep me from thinking about it. He refuses to lean in. Like if he leaned into the crazy, this would have been so much better like so much better yeah so the next thing i want to say is why is fallen and sweet different characters it's kind of like a zoro sanji thing but this author isn't good enough to give them a reason for having two characters that literally have the same personality it's because he wants to write a relationship thing later on you think Fallen and Sweet? Yeah, they serve the exact same purpose in this plot to be like pseudo bodyguards. Why couldn't Sweet just have taught them how to fight? Oh, yeah, yeah, in that sense, yes. Sui as a whole is a useless character. So it's Fallen. Can I just say with Fallen in particular, he's a nuke. Like, there is no reason for him to be in this, ever. Anytime he comes into a fight, it finishes with one punch. Even with Sui herself, when they fight, he just, one, like, wombo combos and it's done, right? 
Well, that's a, that's a train a lot of shitty series where like they just don't want to f- draw fight scenes. So that's the easiest way is like as soon as you get an advantage, you win the fight is like the bread and butter of shitty sh- action scenes. Mm-mm-mm-mm. But it also like removes stakes or danger or like any sort of um, feeling you have for those characters. You're like, mm, I don't really care. You're going to win. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, these characters are so two-dimensional. No one has any background or personality besides, like, quirky, stereotypical manga traits. They're like, oh, she really likes cherries. That's a personality trait. No, that's just called a fun fact. (laughs) That's an obsession. (laughs) I like dogs, but it's not like, oh, David's a three-dimensional character because he has a dog poster on his background. (laughs) That's not how people work. He clearly doesn't know how people work or how to write human beings. Speaking of, I know we talked about, I still fucking, fucking hate the fact that Lucci was like, oh, I could kill you now, but I'm not going to for no real well-described reason. Ha ha, I'm so evil, winky smiley face. I fucking hate that trope. It's the worst fucking trope because you are literally saying, hey, look at how bad I am at writing villains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But has One Piece ever done that trope? Um, Mihawk. But Oda earned that. Yeah. That was 100% in character that Mihawk let Zoro... He explicitly said, I'm letting you live because you impressed me. That's the difference between Oda and this guy. You can do all of these tropes. You really can do all of these things, but you have to set them up and you have to do do them well. Yeah. In Dragon Ball Z, it was fucking stupid when Goku just said, hey, Krillin, don't kill Vegeta. Just let him go. But it's also like, yeah, but Goku's an idiot. (laughs) And we know that he's an idiot. So, okay. I feel like it's so much worse when it's the big bad guys, though. Because, like, with the good guys, they have the, the caveat of being like, oh, I'm good, I'm not going to murder anyone. Like, that, that'd be evil, right? Which is also why, why didn't they use this highly in- contagious disease as a weapon if it's so easily transmittable? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly! Apparently it is a disease that is unbelievably deadly and takes effect super quickly. They'll touch someone and they'll immediately know if they have it or not. Like, that seems incredibly effective, right? Like... Can I say something against that? It's effective when the plot demands it? Yes! There's definitely moments where Kiri has, like, taken his hands away and she's super chill until, like, her point or her sentence is finished. And then it's like, oh, I'm disappearing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, my plot convenience is kicking in again. Oh, no. Oh, and the term I was thinking of, it's called soap opera disease, where you're sick and you're dying, but you have absolutely no symptoms until literally you're about to die. <laughs> Holy shit. It's like what Gold Rogers had, where or Whitebeard, where they were completely fine, and they're like, oh, this disease is kicking, and they start dying. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know a movie that did this badly, but did it brilliantly? The Room. Yeah! The mom just randomly is like, yeah, I've got cancer. It's official. I definitely have breast cancer. (laughs) I'll never forget that line. (laughs) Oh, we haven't done that for movie night yet. I mean, that's a cliche, man. Like, I would love to do The Room at some point, but it's just such an obvious choice. That's true. We'll do like a double bill with uh, the Neil Breen one. Twisted Pair, that's the one. A twisted Pair, yeah. We we did a Fateful Findings mo- shitty movie night one time. I totally blew somebody's mind. <laughs> <laughs> that movie, oh man. But there were still some good parts, much like... In Fateful Findings? How this series... Fuck off, George. <laughs> in Faithful Findings, no. I was doing this thing called a transition where <laughs> Faithful Finding might not have had any good parts, but Double Arts still actually had some redeemable things. So, Jordan, can you tell us about some things you actually liked about this series? So, I will say this about the uh, artist. He is good at drawing uh, very appealing designs. I think that Kiri and El Rain and a lot of the characters are drawn, well, they're cute. These are cute designs. I think they're drawn pretty well. He's got a good sense of style. I like um, his line work. I like a lot of the poses and expressions that he has on them. I think they're very, I think they're pretty well done. I think the art actually got better, which is impressive because it only ran for about four months and usually the art gets worse after the pilot. Yeah, the art absolutely improved after the first chapter, surprisingly. I will also say I found Kiri and El Rain when they were interacting that those were like kind of the best moments of the manga. This series is also actually very wholesome like Mora King. Besides Gazelle, everyone is like a really nice person yeah 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 there's um you know the crazy thing is like i feel like there's a shoujo manga hidden in here yes yes 
that could have had way more legs than this abomination. We're doing pros. We're doing pros. Let's, let's be kind. There are like moments where like the art and the designs are just they feel like a genre shift and like shift in tone would have fit so much better. Though it did give me like some real good like hits of nostalgia from like mid two thousands manga that was very pleasant. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, the series is also just funny. Like mm. straight up, there was some good comedy in the series, and I see why people consider this like a comedy as one of its primary genres. Yeah, I would agree with that. Also, wholesome parents. Always nice to see that his mom and dad are extremely supportive of him. Oh, the the bags under the eyes. That was a very good touch. That was a very, very good touch. Like, they're being super supportive, but then the actual worry and, like, the actual, like, care was there. Guys, guys, I didn't like the parents. I hated the way it was designed and the choices because, like, I couldn't get past that. Like, little moments like that, I was like, we're being objective. I have to say, like, if it wasn't drawn like how it was drawn, (laughs) this would have been fine. (laughs) (laughs) that is fair i refuse to be objective i will never be objective (laughs) objectivity in this review podcast you're hearing it first i'm bringing some class to the table boys you always did how's your tea it's finished and i'm very sad (laughs) whatever mr objective enjoy your tea while you're reading ayn rand you objectivist pig God is Marissa Tomei action figure in the corner. <laughs> I, I was going to say, like, uh, these analogies have ran away from us. Did I just say Marissa Tomei? Yeah, what? I was like, did I, is that a reference I didn't get? I love my cousin Vinny. I'm not sure why you brought her up. I was watching Spider-Man and it was on my mind. Teresa May. Teresa May action figure. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Look, li- listen, listen. That makes more sense, right? It makes more sense, but I'm very up. upset. <laughs> that is a hilarious screw up that's almost as funny as when i heard someone refer to Tsunade from naruto as a hyundai sonata <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can see like the cogs working you can see them ticking away but they're not they're not working very well <laughs> i posted in the wrong discord channel and i was like where why is it my message here and they're like because he posted in the wrong channel you idiot and i was like oh whoops oh i've done that so many times <laughs> We've all been there, but it's a Davidism. And then my last things is I think this, at least said nuggets of good ideas like disease, man versus nature is very rare theme. And it's, it was cool, even though they handled it very poorly. Same with it being like a two, uh, like a partnership based where most series, it's like there's a master and the person who does the fighting, but this is actual like equivalent, which is very rare. And we've talked about this before. I definitely give a lot of bonus points for series that have two on two or like at least some sort of partnership as a core mechanic, a lot of points just because it's not handled very well in a lot a shonen jump series yeah absolutely absolutely the the power dynamics a lot of the time it feels like they're trying to give the reader some agency or some like um power fantasies by making the main character like the one leader uh, of the ensemble if there is an ensemble unfortunately though they do that here kind of but like they're, they're moving towards it being collaborative i agree like kiri is insanely overpowered he's the messiah yeah it's super cocky vibes man it's i don't like it <laughs> i'm not gonna lie but like the move towards like um showing that el rain has like ability and like being proficient and learning and like being adaptable enough for the situation I was like yeah it's awesome great 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 i liked el rain so in, in the first chapter i kept getting annoyed because the whole premise of the manga to me was this is the story of el rain and kiri working together but in the first chapter it says this is the story of a young boy and i was like well hold on a sec fucking things called double it's about a boy and a girl right (laughs) but then i watched as the manga slowly shifted off of el rain and instead focused on kiri where everyone was telling kiri wow you're really cool wow kiri's awesome damn we really need kiri kiri could save our entire world damn he can like heal people i really want to touch kiri's hand that's amazing and like all hail kiri all hail kiri leader <laughs> I'm not joking when I said that Kiri was a pillar of the community. They have a huge town festival, and Kiri, this like 14 year old kid, is the center of the entire thing. In fairness, he did like craft most of the pillars in the community. Right, exactly, because he has superpowers. You get to be the pillar of the community when you build the pillars of the community. <laughs> I'm not criticizing Kiri for being a pillar <laughs> of the community in the world. I'm criticizing the author for doing that, okay? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Wait, isn't this the positive section, Jordan? You know what, man? When I have an idea, I say it. Okay, <laughs> guys, guys, this is this is um, this is healthy. We need to we need to exercise these emotions. Double art does bring out the worst <laughs> in all of us. <laughs> oh my god! No, it's fine. <laughs> I feel like we've come around a corner, guys. I'm gonna wipe away my tears. 
<laughs> yep, we have. We've really grown and changed, much like how there's probably a lot. It's really not. <laughs> <laughs> wow, does that mean I'm going to have Christmas with both of you guys? Uh, no, because neither of us celebrate Christmas. <laughs> you get zero Christmases. Damn it. We're actually going to come to your house for Christmas, so get ready. Yeah, you got to give us presents, actually. I am the present, guys. I am the present. <laughs> Speaking of gifts to the world, why don't we give some gifts to the offer by telling them where we think the series could have gone? I'll take the charge in this one. So I really was hoping that they would really give a sense of world building. They delve into it a little bit. They show a map, which actually was more effort than I was expecting. They talk about these like tribes for like a second, so I guess there's different like subhumans or i'm not really sure yeah that was weird fuck we have to talk about that shit i hated that so much i hate that i hate it it's bad stop it just go full fantasy and be like oh there's elves and dwarves and shit like you already have magic in this series it is so bad what he did was such a bad decision where he just starts having characters go so what race are you because you know there's like four there's four races you know no 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 there's four main races four main races i'm sorry which is so much worse it's <laughs> so much worse. You're right, it is. This is what you would find if you picked up an old, dusty book about phrenology from the 19th century. Yes! You'd see them be like, so these are the four main races, and then here are sub-races. And Isn't that, like, the lady that Hitler got his ideas from, like, Helena Blavatsky in the Brute Races? That was that whole thing. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Oof, man. It's one of those things where, like, you know what? Just just don't do the thing where you ascribe traits to certain races. Just don't do that. Don't be xenophobic. Hot take, it's not that hard not to be racist. Mm. Yeah, I would, I would agree. It's harder to be racist. <laughs> it's because you actually have to do it. Hassan, remember, we're still actually talking about a manga for this podcast. What were some ideas of where you think it could have gone? A hard pivot is what this manga needed. Because like they had like a lot of ideas and none of those ideas were working. So they could have had like a hard pivot where they're like, Detroit is the enemy, right? What if there's more to Detroit than it just being a disease? What if they find where it came from? And what if that's something that they can combat, if that makes sense? It shifts into sci-fi rather than it just being whatever the hell this is. That would have been cool. I would have been super into it. And like them like exploring ruins and like finding technology or like finding stories about people who are living through the initial outbreak or like military records or that kind of stuff that would have been awesome i think that is pretty rad how about you jordan oh well clearly um the gazelles or something have something to do with the troy like maybe they're not really human or something like maybe um there feels like there's supposed to be some kind of mysticalness mysticality underneath there because it made no sense that like human mercenary group would want to preserve the troy or it just seems like something that nobody would support so what i thought was based on how bad the author the author's ideas was i guess the ultimate goal would probably be with the gazelle bad guy being like yeah there's too many people in this world and people are just bad for the environment so the troy is the example of the earth trying to cure itself i just know that that's the direction the author would have gone in oh no it sucks so much i would hate that because i'm like "Mm." yeah i barely accepted it when it was thanos it's one of those ass pull ideas somebody has because like I don't think this author was going to go anywhere like super interesting. Okay, this series is not that bad. We have read worse. Oh, hey. <laughs> we have read worse. I feel like there might have been some kind of intrigue with the church, maybe something deeper there. If I was giving the author credit, uh, which I'm not really the author of that credit. So yeah, I don't know. I wasn't super interesting in where it was going, to be honest. I agree. I did have a small note where I think the series really could have kept itself financially by getting like a hand moisturizer sponsor because you know hand holding so it's like if you got old hands you might as well have soft hands <laughs> this episode is sponsored to you by gold bond i uh, use it every day is your friend gonna die if you don't hold their hand make sure that hand is soft that's why i'm holding jordan's hand right now oh we should have recorded this while we were holding hands yeah. except that's a terrible idea because of covid <laughs> yeah that's true that is kind of the uh it's kind of interesting times to read this in huh yeah oh man i think it would be weirdly like appropriate if you guys were practicing bad like pandemic rules with a bad pandemic manga listen jordan's in pennsylvania he's not he's not in florida all right <laughs> just to wrap this up i also had like an idea of just how like if i had to reboot this series just i know we usually don't do this but it does just seem like a cool ass idea where i'm imagining like it's like a time skip and it's like 20 years in the future and it's like in a post-apocalyptic where like the entire society is broken down and she's like trying to rebuild it with like curie's detached hand around her neck so she doesn't die <laughs> and that just seemed like a really badass like complete 180 to take the tone of the series oh i like that i'm in there is a time skip here yeah but it's like weeks it's not really a time skip it's a montage 
Oh, I thought it was years. At the very end, it was like, we jump years forward because it's implied that Elraine has been the, has been the narrator this whole time. And she's like writing the whole thing in a book. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Oh, I thought from just their perspective, when they get to the town, I was just like, yeah, it's been weeks. Cause like they haven't changed. They just literally changed clothes. That was it. That was the only. I feel like in a manga, when somebody changes clothes into clothing that looks more adult, that's supposed to communicate, it's been 10 years. Yeah, that's a time skip. Because they don't explain where Kiri is at that point. They sort of imply vague, abstract feelings that she might have towards Kiri at that point. Sort of imply that there's some kind of love thing happening. They never explain it. I do like, I think like one of the last chapters is where Kiri explains that the reason why he went to see Elraine at first is he thought that she cute. I actually kind of like that i thought that that made sense i thought that that was kind of a sweet thing mm. i'm glad they left it there though because the more they explain things in this the worse it gets by the way david this is the second manga we've read in a row that involves shitting i'm sure the next one we'll read will be really terrible so we can tie it in billy speaking of shit <laughs> well speaking of shit here's double arts but <laughs> yeah <laughs> more like double farts yeah we did it boys <laughs> we did it guys and that's Shonen Flop. See you, everybody. Keep on flopping, floppers. <laughs> we hit our apex. <laughs> I think we're getting into miscellaneous boss territory, so why don't we actually properly migrate over there? Let me get on my bike. It took me like a second to realize you weren't, you were like kidding. Cause I was like, oh, he's, 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 you're like on a fucking Peloton now doing this podcast. I'm an extreme man. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> hey man, that's why you were named podcasting magazine, sexiest man alive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's all right. You'll get them next year, Jordan. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to clip that and I'm going to make that my ringtone. That's it. <laughs> it's just me saying sexiest man alive. How did you out sexy uh, Justin Ackle? Have you seen all of this hair? Hey, come on, man. Are you thinking of... <laughs> it's Travis. I know, but it's funny. But Justin, because some people find Travis sexy. So that's what it's God, no, Travis tries way too hard. I still love how Justin can fucking outplay the rest of everyone in the Adventure Zone. He's very good at D&D. Totally agree. I think uh, Travis is by far the weakest member. If we had to kill one of them off. Oh, Travis. <laughs> you would immediately improve the podcast like 10 times over if he wasn't on it. Marry, fuck, kill the McElroy brothers. <laughs> I would marry Justin. I would fuck Griffin and kill Travis. No question. Yeah, that's, I think that's the right choice. I think that's the right choice. We'll put a poll up after this episode drops. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do if they voted? <laughs> That would be weird. We'd invite them onto the show. <laughs> Do you really think that the McElroys haven't seen weirder things be said about them? Very true. You think this is the first time the McElroys have seen a fuck, marry, kill list of them? I just never thought about it. Their wives probably have one. Yeah. They each have, have their own fuck, marry, kill <laughs> yeah. list for each other. Does this remind me about how, uh, fuck, who played Tobias? David Cross looks for rule 34 of himself. David Cross is so funny, man. He like Google's rule 34 David Cross and he says he saves what he finds. He would. <laughs> I legitimately, he's like one of my favorite comedians. He's so funny. Rest in peace. David Cross didn't die. What the fuck are you talking about? Jessica Walter. Rest in peace, D Jessica Walter. Oh, okay. Yeah, rest in peace, Jessica Walter, but you scared the shit out of me there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. My transitions can't always be good. But anyway, back to the miscellaneous spots where we are really hating the miscellaneous in this section. <laughs> <laughs> so the miscellaneous thoughts i had one is why during like the shirt like they talk about how it's like kind of hard to change their shirts couldn't they have just made their feet touch yeah there's a lot of stuff they could have done my question is like they sleep with their hands tied together i would never want to not have my hand tied there if i'm fucking elraine for real are you just gonna like accidentally you know let go one day and then i'll just be seizing up duct tape my hand to your hand i'm not gonna lie part of me is very Dolph Lundgren about this and I'm like if she dies she dies <laughs> like if they got in a fight he'd be like I see ya <laughs> just walk off <laughs> he has no need to hold her hand she's 100% holds all the power well that could be a very abusive relationship she is literally a handicap Boo. What do you mean, boo? That was great. Shut up. <laughs> oh, I also thought about the best, the scene that would have been the best scene ever is, you know, Hui, or how Sui uses a hula hoop? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, hula hoops are filled with sand. I'm just imagining there's there's a scene she gets in a fight and they break her hula hoop and like sand comes out and she throws sand, like pocket sand at the bad guy, runs <laughs> off. And that would have made this series like the best series I'd ever read in my entire life. Pocket sand. If they just got Dale from uh, King of the Hill and they just imported him into this it would have been instantly a better manga I would agree Jordan add that to the, sh the, the, the terrible manga list it's just isekai of a King of the Hill character <laughs> <laughs> 
Dale gets isekai. That's great. Dale would be the one who does the best in an isekai. Yeah, so we if we haven't mentioned this time, we're working on like as Patreon content, like little five, ten minute audio dramas of terrible manga ideas. So like that's why we have the channels to pitch ideas and see what people actually like. So listeners. You're gonna see a lot of my gems, boys. <laughs> oh yeah. yee yee. We'll talk. Don't worry, we'll talk. I still love that one we talked about this time I got reincarnated as a Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> We got Mitch from Mitch Loves Anime. Said he'd vo- he's Canadian, so he said he'd voice the character if we made it. Authentic. Yes. An isekai with a Canadian, though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, eh? I don't know anything about these fantasy animals. I don't, I don't know. I don't have a good accent. I'm sorry, eh? Who is this Tim of Hortons? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. All right, boys. How about we go to the final verdict, eh? Hassan, take us away with your six-word summary. Oh, I've got a few. This is like one of those billboards, right? Feeling sick, uh, traveling sisters, Troy leeches. Mm, okay, okay, I like it. Archaic tropes, Troy harder next time. Troy harder next time, I like that. <laughs> there's a mine, there's a mine. I like it. And then how about you, Jordan? Treating the Black Plague with hug. I like it. I had two, because I said mine during the chibi episode, and my first one is, this is Guardian of the Witch, and then my other one, as I said in the Discord, is, this feels like an improvised D&D campaign. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, let's go to flop or not. Hassan, is this a flop or not? It's a flop. It's not been in the oven long enough, and he was too young to kind of tackle this properly. Yeah, I completely agree. How about you, Jordan? Oh, absolutely. It's a flop. I mean, it's not the worst thing we, that I've read here. It's not the worst thing we've done. It's not great. It's a it's a mess. It's just a mess. I actually want to say I don't think this is a flop if you curve it. By 2008 standards, I think this is kind of not great, but I don't think this was a complete failure. Hey, look, New Metal was still playing in 2000, so we can't, hey, hey, <laughs> we can't give hey, too many caveats. New Metal yeah. It was corny. Damn right it was corny. <laughs> But anyway, oh, I get it, Corny, shut up. Uh, um, <laughs> damn, David, I can't believe you thought this is the best manga you've ever read. Well, how is it compared to Chainsaw Man? I did not say that remotely. It is substantially worse than Chainsaw Man. Really? I'm surprised because you were telling me about how much you love Double Up. On a one to Chainsaw, I have Chainsaw Man. This is, uh, this is not a chainsaw. <laughs> I'll give it two revs on the chainsaw scale. <laughs> out of how many revs, though? You'll find out. Oh, boy. I'm going to give it a no, 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 no. Okay. And then, so Jordan, um, is this the worst thing you've ever read? No. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. It's a very inoffensive series. It's offensive in its in- inoffensiveness, and there are some actual offensive moments. It's mostly just disappointing, because I, I want it to be good, because there are aspects of it that I like and I think could be good, but it's just not. So I'll give it six dads and how they think of me out of ten. I'm going to give this a four DCs out of Marvels. <laughs> I'll give it three marbles out of a, pl- out of a, I don't even yeah, know. All right, let's go to shout outs. <laughs> I'm, 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 I have it. We, I, I don't know. Thank you so much for listening. Props to Jordan for making the awesome opening and ending theme song you heard in this episode. Props to Jennifer for the awesome cover art. You can find her online at Art by Toast and Nigel for being our generous art benefactor. Thanks to Tucker for assistance for pronunciation, translation, other miscellaneous research. Be sure to check out Shonen Flop Guide, his companion series, which goes into further details on each of the series we cover here on Shonen Flop and which comes out two days after this episode's release. And I want to give a thanks to Miriam, Nicole, and Adi for their help with social media. And a reminder, if you've been enjoying the show, to please like, rate, review, or share it. It really helps us a ton. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Shonen Flopcast and our website, shonenflop.com. We're also on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you get your podcast. And then above all, I want to thank you, Hassan, for taking the time today to be on our show. Where can they find you? You can find me mostly and only <laughs> on The Nerd Alternative. Um, that is our podcast where we cover all things nerdy. We cover the need for representation for black people and people of ethnic minorities. And we try to have a laugh and a goof and review the things that we love. Um, you can find us on Twitter at The Nerd Alternative. You can find us on Instagram at The Nerd Alternative and Reddit at the same thing. You can listen to us on Apple, iTunes, Google, Breaker and all other podcasting platforms. Thank you very much. Awesome. And I would like to say thank you so much to David for doing the editing and for helping and for basically laying out the podcast. Couldn't happen without you. Thank you, David. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, David. And I would like to say that I was just on a recent episode of our good friends Pod of Greed with the former guest, Audrey, and future guest, Maxi Vigilian. So go check out that recent episode. That was a lot of fun. That was a weird fucking episode that we watched. Yeah, check it out. That was a fun episode. I remember SWAT, the series we did with 
was definitely a contender for a long time as the worst thing we had ever read, and I think was our first certified flop. In some ways, it still is. In some ways. Can I come back for a set flop? Because I want to I wanna read something real bad, boys. <laughs> well, the thing is, we don't know if it's going to be a certified flop until yeah, we that's read, true. is the problem, you know? Believe in the heart of the flop. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, for sure. All right. And then I just want to take things to the general shout outs. So this time we're actually doing a special where these are all shows from people that are on our Discord. If you didn't know, Shonen Flop has a Discord. Come hang out with us and talk about anime games games or whatever else is on your mind. We also have a book club and do regular movie nights. You can find a link to it in our link tree in our bio. So the first show is a shout out to Chaotic Neutral. You want a podcast that is all over the place and the host gets distracted every two minutes by a new subject? This is a podcast for you. Here are a nice conversational atmosphere with new guests and new stories most of the time because the host repeats herself. Her Twitter is Chaotic Neutral Pod where she has tweets well chaotic. You can find it at linktree.ee slash chaotic.neutral. The next one is Four Eyes Academia. Nerds from the UK discussing all things gaming, anime, pop, culture and more no relation to hassan show just to clarify i was just gonna say (laughs) (laughs) there are buddies there are buddies Didn't you say you're gonna like go to Taco Bell with them when COVID's over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Me, me, and uh, me and Manny, we're gonna go hit up a Taco Bell. The power of the Discord. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> I'll put a link to their uh, Spotify in the show notes. The next one is the Broken Lords Tabletop RPG Podcast. Find us Tabletop RPG this side of the internet. Multiple systems updates every Sunday. You can find them at Linktree.ee/slash/TheBrokenLords. And then finally, Ghost on a Train. They're an actual play podcast using Ghost Lines, a powered by the Apocalypse game that three. people People who take on the dangerous job of keeping ghosts <laughs> off trains in a haunted world with a dead son. Ghosts on a train. That sounds pretty badass. I have had it with these motherfucking ghosts on this motherfucking train. I was like, is he going to say that? <laughs> you knew I was going to say it. I love you, buddy. They bring humor and characters in and out and without shying away from the harshness of the setting. And you can find them at Linktree at ghosts underscore train. You know, I've never seen snakes on a plane, but I have read the snakes on a plane novelization. No, 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 no. You need to. Listen, it is a seminal piece of cinema, and it will change your life forever. Not for the better, but it will change it. Oh, I'm done with you, kids. Let's go to sign off. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been David. This has been Jordan. And this has been Hassan. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping, floppers. Mm-hmm.